The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, would you teach us this hour to fight from our knees? Would you prepare us for that fight as we look at your word? I pray in your name. Amen. Have a seat. I, uh, I realize this is an incredibly inappropriate way to start a sermon, but I'm going to gripe, okay? Uh, so I'll just confess it ahead of time, and I said, I don't get daylight savings time. I, I, really, I don't understand it. It's apparently, somewhere it was supposed to help in a war effort, and, uh, you know, we were going to save energy or whatever like that. And then they said now it helps farmers. I don't understand it helps farmers. I mean, we got the same number of daylight hours. It didn't add one of those. And it just makes me cranky. Uh, I don't know if anybody else is feeling that this morning, but I'm a little cranky about the whole thing. Uh, so I need to snap out of it. Okay, honestly, now, now I'll get my self-righteous voice too. And now we got the kids going to school again in the dark. What, what's with that? Somebody, yeah, yeah, right, Stacy? It's not safe, is it? No, we need to start a petition. Okay, I'll sign it right afterwards. We're changing this thing. This is the last year we're losing this hour of sleep. Okay, uh, I got a feeling we will not be too effective there. Okay, we are going to look this week at this passage right here in the book of First Peter, our second week in the book. However, however, before we do that, I need to review. Uh, if you remember a little bit from last week, I'm hoping some of you do, we said that the first word of these verses here, so the first word in chapter 13 is this word right here, therefore. And uh, we're going to look at what it, see, we're going to talk today about living a holy life because that's what our passage talks about. The, the scripture says we are to be holy as God is holy. However, I would be a very, very, very bad pastor if I forget or if I neglect to remind you that first there's this word. It says there is something before this. Before you go about living a holy life, before you go about following Jesus, before you go about walking this walk, there's something that you need to get. And that was our message last week when we looked at the beginning. And we talked about that idea of being reborn or having a new birth. I remember, you know, when I think about this every time, and this is a long time ago now, but I remember the birth of my children. And you, you look and you say, miracle. Would you, would you agree? Uh, miracle. You look and say, how can anybody not even believe in God, and, you know, when you see a miracle like that? But I want to remind you that the rebirth, the new birth in Jesus Christ is also miracle. And if you are somebody who's placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and God gave you that new life, you are a stinking miracle. Okay, uh, the Bible says it like this. I mean, and here's this amazing way that it talks about it. It says that Jesus actually, the Bible says, became sin for us that we can become the righteousness of God. Okay, Jesus became sin for us. He took our sin upon him and then that we can become the righteousness of God. There's a theological term for that, imputation, uh, but it's basically the idea that God grafts his righteousness into me, okay, when I trust him. He gives me that righteousness. I'm a new creature. I'm a new creature. We looked at last week who has an inheritance that is reserved in heaven. I am a new creature that, that you know, can now live this new life, and even when trials and difficulties of this present world hit me, it, it tests and it proves that I've got the real deal. 
So I don't want, and, and, and this is the thing that I would feel like I was a disaster, and I would be a disaster as a pastor, if I communicate to you that this is about becoming more religious or becoming a better person, okay? That has to come after the therefore. First of all, we got to get that first part, and that is the idea that we have new life in Christ. Did I short out there? Okay, can you hear me? I'm not sure what happened. The light's still on, but uh, nobody's home, uh, but, uh, as they say. But uh, we'll do uh, what we can. We coming back? Oh, yeah. I feel the power coming back. Uh, it, it, it's there. I, I don't know exactly what, what happened there. Now, with that also, I'm going to throw you off. This is throw you off Sunday with the whole time change and everything like that. Generally, when we observe the Lord's Supper, we do that at the end of the service. But we're going to do something a little different today because I want us, okay, one of the things that I want to do, too, as pastor, is continually remind you of that new life we have in Christ, okay, and come back to it, because uh, that's part of what Jesus told the church to do, is to remember. He said, we're going to, uh, I'm going to give you something to help you remember that price that Jesus paid. And the church for centuries now have, has observed what we call communion or the Lord's Supper. So I want to, before we move into, okay, what does a holy life look like? I want us to take some time and remember the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. So that if our faith and trust is in that work, uh, we can have this eternal life, this new life. So as we do that, uh, first of all, I want to say what I say every time, and that is this is totally optional, if you want to put it like that. I want to invite you to partake of the Lord's Supper with us. Uh, in so doing, you're saying that my faith and trust is in Jesus Christ, that I believe that he died for my sins. I've placed my trust in the fact that this, see, we're going to take a little cracker that represents the body of Christ, and that is, um, you know, to remind us that that body that Jesus entered into, uh, took on human form, he lived a perfect life, and he laid down that life. And then we're going to take a little uh, cup of juice, and that juice is a reminder that his blood or the life, his life was poured out. The Bible says the life of the flesh is in the blood. And uh, his life was poured out for me that he gave his life. So if that is what you want, take some time and remember and believe today, uh, then I definitely want you and to encourage you in a moment. We're gonna, there, there's going to be a little music play, and, and you'll see a line form on this side of this table and this side of this table. There's another table back there to make it easier there back in front of the sound booth that you can go to and pick up the elements. And you'll take a cracker and a, and a cup of juice and return uh, to your seat, and then we'll observe the Lord's Supper together. But I, I want to say this and make sure that, like I said, total optional. If for any reason whatsoever you'd rather just watch today or participate, maybe because, you know, there's something, actually the Bible talks about if there's something that's in your heart that you need to get settled with somebody else before you do that, uh, you know, don't feel bad about that. If for whatever reason you'd rather just observe, I don't want you to feel any pressure. But at the same time, I do want to encourage all of us to take some time and remember that we have new life in Jesus Christ because God became a man, came to this earth, laid down his life on a cross, laid down his life. He became sin for us, and he took the price for that sin. He said, trust, believe in me, turn from your sin, turn to me for, for forgiveness. And you'll find forgiveness only in that blood of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to pray. They're going to start some music. You'll see some folks come up to, to get the elements. And, and like I said, we're going to take some time now and remember. For those are the words that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Father.
Um, I'll begin with the word thank you. Uh, I'll begin by... <laughs> every time I say, every time, Lord, I say that at communion time, I feel like that's such an inadequate word. And when we thank people for the goofiest little things, and, and I use that same word to express my appreciation that the God of the universe has made a way for me to be right with him through the death of his son. Uh, Lord, my words can't communicate that well. Your spirit can, and I pray that your spirit would just do that now. Uh, show us the price that was paid uh, that we might know forgiveness, that we might know a relationship with you, and that we might know eternal life. Would your spirit teach us that now, even as we partake of these elements? Um, don't let us stray from that, Lord, I pray. Don't let us go to that other teaching, that other gospel that is so prevalent. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, sorry, it's all, you, like I said, you would normally do it at the, at the end. I'm ready to say, okay, you're dismissed. Uh, but no, you must stay and uh, do your best to stay awake there. Here's our key word in our passage. Now, we're going to go through this uh, verse at a time, our passage. But before we do, just wanted to point out the central verse, verse number 15, tells us that we are to be holy as Christ is holy. That is a quote from the book of Leviticus. We are to be holy as God is holy. We are called to a life of holiness. Now, I'm going to play a little uh, Steve Steve Harvey, that's the, um, uh, what's that word? Family Feud, yeah. Uh, we're going to play a little Steve Harvey here for a second because I found a list of these are the things that people think of when they hear the word holy. Okay, think about it. Uh, in fact, before I get to that, uh, I, I want to tell you the story of the cross, not the story of the cross, but the story of this cross. Um, I been wanting to do that. I still do. I'm not that happy with this one yet, but it's, 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 it's a start. We'll, we'll keep working on it. I, I'm happy with a cross. So I'm not too happy with this cross. I did one earlier in the week, and I thought, I'm going to be, you know, sometimes I'm a little too thrifty. I just found some wood around here. I made it. It was perfect, perfect wood, and, it, and I painted it white, and I put it up there. And, okay, this is going to sound terrible. It looked too holy to me. Uh, I don't know how to say it. So I came in the next day, and I attacked it with a chainsaw and some stain, and that's where we are right now. And I like it better. It has a little bit more of the old rugged cross feel to it. I, I like that. But, uh, you know, the, that word holy can sometimes be, you know, if you think of holier than thou. If you think of, uh, you know, a holy roller. You usually don't say that as a compliment. When I think of that, here's some of the words that they said they thought of when they, were, when they heard the word holy. Okay, you ready, ready for this? Um, I'll get on the right page of my notes. Okay, the first thing they thought of, they said, is beards. Okay. Uh, sandals, robes, stone walls, no sex, no jokes. No jokes about it. I didn't throw that. I'll throw that in there. Uh, no cold, cold baths or cold baths, not, not no. Uh, fasting. Sounds like a lot of fun. Waking up at 4 a.m., these are things they said, clean fingernails, I think I fail on that one today, but uh, stained glass, but, uh, but those are the different words people think of and you associate right away. Okay, when I think of holy and a holy life, that's what that means. Uh, the word actually means to, in literal, it means to cut or to separate, 
And it is the idea when we talk about the holiness of God that God is separate from his, her, his creation. I say often around here that we need to be careful that we are not forming God and thinking of God in the way we want him to be. Because we don't get to decide. He is not formed by the Judeo-Christian culture of the world. He, that's why we want to look at his word. And the things that we sing, this is who you are. And we sang that in a couple different songs today. We want, to, we want to see those things clearly in scripture. That is who he is. We want to know who he is. He is separate from his creation. And we are called to a life of imitating him in his holiness. So we want to look at what that looks like. But the whole idea of the monastic, is that, is that a word when you act like a monk? Uh, I, <laughs> we'll go with it. Uh, the pastor, uh, I had a pastor that used to uh, love, some of you remember this, he, he would take a week every year and he would go off into the wilderness by himself. I mean, just by himself. He'd take his Bible and he'd take a journal and he'd go off and he'd spend that time with God. He also took a gun and a fishing pole so he could eat. But, uh, but that's, that was the thing. He said, I just get away totally. I don't see another person for a week. And I thought, man, that sounds pretty spiritual. How to do something like that. So when I got here, I found out there's a place uh, up by Jones, Michigan. I forget what it's called. I was trying to find it online today, and I couldn't find it, mind you. But you can rent like a little cabin, but it's set up for total isolation. Like It's like 40 bucks a night. A pastor can rent this cabin and go there and just hang out. He has no internet, no TV, no anything like that. But you get this little cabin. They have paths all through the woods that you can walk and pray, and they have a prayer labyrinth that's made out of hay or something like that. And uh, they do these things, and I thought, okay, I'm in. I'm going to try it. And about five years ago, I did this. I tried for 24 hours. Okay? I was so anxious to get back to uh, people. You say, you're not very spiritual. Hey, I walked and prayed so much, I couldn't sleep that night because my legs hurt. Uh, and I didn't bring any aspirin with me, so I didn't sleep at all. And I got up in the morning, and I was like, my 24 hours was up at like 11 a.m., and I couldn't wait. Uh, yes, I'm counting down to get, get out of there. So I'm not real. Uh, if that's what it takes to be holy like that, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm going to make it. But what our, what our passage does today is I think it gives us three very practical ways that we can be holy. Again, this is not exhaustive because there's holiness beyond this, but there are three things specifically mentioned in here. So this, uh, let's see, this begins, uh, verse number uh, 13 begins with these words, therefore, okay, therefore, we said that star, because you have this new life in Christ, preparing your minds for action, being sober-minded. Now, think about that idea of being sober. You are not under, you know, the opposite of that. You're under the influence of something. So you think of that idea of, I'm not controlled by something else. It has to do with the idea of self-control. In fact, you might even have a translation that uses that word self-control. That is a very common term throughout the New Testament that we are to exercise self-control, temperance. Uh, So we are to be sober-minded. Set your hope Watch this. Set your hope fully on the, on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your hope fully on the grace. Not on my works, but on the grace. As obedient children, do not, to be, conformed, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you are to be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. So the first thing that I want us to focus on is the idea that a holy life is a life that is lived with power. And what I mean by that is it is lived 
with that power of the Holy Spirit, that understanding that I am not walking in my own strength. I am walking in His grace and His strength that He gives me, and therefore self-control is possible. If I believe that the Holy Spirit indeed does live inside of me, and I hope you do, as a Christian that God's Holy Spirit takes up residence, then He is going to empower us. We have that power available to not live in the control of our former passions, to not live under the power of overspending. Do not live under the power of a temper that's not controlled. Do not live under the power of alcohol. Do not live under the power of pornography. Do not live under the power of narcotics. Do not live under the power of screen time. Whatever it is, you fill that in with that thing that you look at and maybe the Holy Spirit highlights for you now and says, hey, that's the area of self-control that is missing. Well, we have the power so we do not have to live under the control of these other things. God has put us in a position where we can say no. But he instructs us in these verses to prepare our minds so that we're not conformed to those evil desires. Now, those evil desires still exist. So the war is on, if you will. So when I fight, I want to fight on my knees. Good song, huh? Because I want to fight relying upon His grace. I want to fight trusting uh, that, that He who has called me to a life of holiness will provide. God is uh, provide the power so that I can live that life. Now, I want to give you a as a point of illustration, I want to give you a kind of a weird story. Uh, the, uh, don't miss this. is just an illustration, and I want you to connect it to your life wherever it does. But when um, shortly after becoming a pastor here, some of you will remember this is going on eight and a half years ago now. Uh, but I went, uh, I actually, the church helped me go away, and, and <laughs> God, your church helped me go away. Uh, we'd like to help you go away again. But, uh, but I got to go away for some counseling. And uh, get some help on some things. And uh, in meeting with this counselor, it's kind of weird because, uh, to me, it seemed kind of weird because he started to ask me questions about, about my health. He started to ask me questions about my eating and exercise, uh, neither of which did I think was any of his business. <laughs> and at that particular time, I don't know if you remember this or not, but when I came, I was about 45 pounds heavier than what I am right now. It wasn't like, uh, you know, it wasn't muscle, I'll guarantee you that. Uh, it was just kind of sloppy, uh, sloppy, hang over the belt type fat. And, and, uh, and he looked at me and he said, you know, he, uh, what are you doing about this? And I said, nothing. But I, I really was kind of thinking, you know, mind your own business, buddy. Uh, but he started to talk about the idea of this, this, the importance of self-control in every area of your life. And that you can't really separate out some areas of your life. Now, I'm not saying this to preach against overeating. <laughs> that would be the least popular. <laughs> Great, I got up an hour early. The guy came and preached about overeating. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, but what I, here, here's what I want to illustrate with that. As I, as I, first of all, I kind of rejected what he had to say. Yeah, whatever. I came for spiritual help, not physical help. You know, I'll, I'll talk to somebody else about that. But he, he kind of stayed on it. And I actually kept doing counseling by phone, and, and uh, he kind of stayed on that, and he said, so what are you doing about that? And finally, he got me plugged in and, and working on some exercise and working on some uh, eating right and everything like that. And it was, here, here's what happened. That journey, which had been a struggle my whole life, you know, back and forth, became a spiritual battle. And I started to consider it something that, God, I need your help for this area of self-control. And it became part of my daily journaling when I walked through and stuff like that. And, and please, this is not pat myself on the back. But since then, uh, I got the weight down. 
and have maintained that. And because it continues to be part of a spiritual journey. Now, okay, why am I illustrating uh, like that? Because I want you to see that area that God's Holy Spirit highlights in your life and says, hey, this isn't, uh, this isn't good. This isn't an area where you are in control of your life. This is an area where your former passions are in control of your life. I want you to see that I want to fight that battle with you. And I want us to learn to fight that battle from our knees. Okay, whatever it is. And I, want, and I also want us to understand that we can't separate, you know, different areas of our life. God calls us to a life of powerful living and powerful self-control. And I am not God's Holy Spirit. And that's, I kind of hesitate to use a specific example there. But I do want to ask you to yield to God's Holy Spirit in that saying, God, what is it in my life? Where is an area where I am a slave to and I am allowing these things, these passions to push me around? And you've given me power so that I I don't have to. And I want to fight that battle with prayer, with you, with the help of my fellow believers. I want to fight that battle in that way and experience victory. Okay, this is as close as I'll ever come just to a positive uh, thinking type sermon of just saying, hey, you can do this, you can beat this. But actually what I'm saying is you have the power in you so that you don't have to be pushed around by your former passions. That's what it's saying. And a holy life is a life of self-control. Okay, so we live, first of all, in power. A second thing, as we move forward in our passage here, uh, verse number 17 tells us that, uh, and if you call on him as father, okay, if that's where you are, we're back to kind of the therefore, if you've been adopted into the family of God, born again, if you call him father, the one who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear, Throughout the time of exile, okay? Conduct yourself with a reverent awe of God God at a time when you are in exile. What in the world that's all about? Okay, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited of your forefathers. Okay, the things of this earth that are futile, that, that don't last. You haven't been redeemed with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Again, that perfect life laid down on us that we just remembered. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times. Jesus walked on this earth for the sake of you who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead, gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Now, uh, that was four different uh, verses that I read in there, and it, it has another important idea of holiness in there, I think. It, it talks about this idea that our faith and our hope are to be in Him. And it talks about, you know, that a lot of the things that are of this life are futile, that they, they don't last. Okay, that's not what our hope is in. So a, a second word that I want you to remember, we are not only to live a life that is marked by power, but also about priority. And that priority has to do with putting an emphasis on the things that last forever, those things that are eternal. We fill up our lives with so many things that do not last, but faith and hope in God are the things that are not perishable. Nothing in this world is an end of itself. If God gives you the gift of marriage, that is a partnership to be used for His glory. Children, for His glory. Work, for His glory. You getting the pattern here? Eating and drinking are to be here for His glory. These are the spheres, spheres, I'm sorry, I'm having trouble, a little trouble today, in which we are to live 
for his glory. And we are called to this holy life, a different life that is not focusing on the things that do not last. And if we can take a perspective, a priority of eternity, think about how that changes our world. If we can ask ourselves sometimes this question, in light of eternity or in the grand scheme of things, what difference does this make? Okay, I am told you I'm generally a patient driver. In fact, I'm far too patient a driver. I'm the guy that you get ticked off at. Uh, But there's a couple areas that tick me off. Tailgating at high speeds. If a guy gets real, you know, I'm going 75, back off. If something happens, you're going to run into me. Makes me mad. I mean, and Francis will watch me. You get mad at that guy. You know, and, of course, I'm very mature about the whole thing. I never slow down on purpose. Uh, but just to get a matter, I would never do that. Uh, the other thing that uh, ticks me off a little bit is the, uh, I told you this before, stopping at the roundabout when nobody's there. Sorry, I just lose it. Uh, what are you doing? Some of you are like, this is good preaching right here. Uh, you're connecting with me for the first time in years. Yeah, I get what he's saying there. But, uh, but when I look at those things that sometimes are such big deals, and I ask myself in light of eternity, are these things big deals? Sports. You know, how big of a deal uh, is it when my team gets knocked out of the tournament? You know, really, uh, I don't know. if it, How about politics? I mean, Hey, listen, I love my country. I fly a flag at home. I love 4th of July and red, white, and blue, and I love my country. But my hope is not in this country and either political party or anything like that. My hope is in a kingdom that lasts forever. You know, so, I, so, so there's some parts of that where I'm just like, hey, I can't let this consume me. I can't let this eat up, you know, my life and my mind and my, and, and my passion. Um, Heard a country song last week that the guy was saying, I always quote these wrong, so Adam, you might have to correct me, but it says something about if heaven's not a lot like Dixie, I don't want to go. Uh, and I thought, hey, if, if heaven ain't a lot like Dixie, I don't think I want to go. And I thought, that ain't me. Uh, I'm good with Dixie. I'm good with, the, good with the South, but I'm not looking for a kingdom that is of this earth, that is temporal. I want to live with eternity in mind. And I want to be asking myself that question a lot of times in light of eternity, because a holy life is a life that understands that our hope is in Him. Our hope is not, it is in nothing that will not last. It is in eternity, and I can think that way more and more. Again, if I can give you a personal illustration that might, might help you just connect a little bit if you put your story in this or your issue into the story. Um, our grandson, our oldest grandson, has a condition that, you know, through this life, there's a lot of things of this life that he is not going to get to enjoy. Okay, his dad was a college baseball player. Easton is not going to be a college baseball player. Um, you know, and um, the idea of living on his own at some point in his life looks unlikely. The idea of marriage and having children looks impossible. Uh, things that they say. So there's a lot of things about this life that I look at with him and I say he's not going to enjoy it. His, his body, uh, all our bodies are impacted by sin. And, uh, and we get old, his body is impacted more by the, by the situation of this world. And I look at it a lot and I just say, you know, I can, I can mourn a lot of times for the things that he is going to miss in this world. But then I stop and I think, well, that, the most important thing, though, is that we help him towards a relationship with Jesus Christ and towards eternal life. Because in that life, it lasts forever. And the, and the 
abnormalities and the infirmities, they're not there anymore. And that is, it helps me just to see the importance of that and the importance of that eternal focus. And you think about that, you know, just in our lives all the time as we deal with other people, how much is it a priority that we let them know about Jesus Christ and eternal life that can be theirs? But a lot of times it's not because we're so consumed with the temporal. We're so consumed with what's going on on this earth. Uh, You know, that that's, you know, again, that is so often what we think life is all about. You know, I cannot adequately illustrate to you the brevity of this life on earth. I can't do it. Okay, I mean, I could, I could say, okay, our life here on this earth is this big compared to this big, which is eternity. Do you know that that illustration is not even close? I mean, it's not. Eternity, there is no fraction you can come up with. Well, our life here is like point zero 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 one percent of eternity. No, it's not. Our life here is nothing. And yet we live so often consumed with the temporal that things don't last. A holy life is going to be marked by an eternal focus. It's going to be living with that priority. Okay? So first of all, Peter writes, and he talks about we have this power. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We don't have to be a slave to our passion. You say, Pastor, you're making that sound too simple. I probably am right now. I am not suggesting then, you know, come forward and pray a prayer, and all of a sudden you're going to have the victory. There is a struggle against our sin and all nature. But what I am telling you is that God says, I've put my Holy Spirit inside of you. We, uh, with that power of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to be a slave to that. And I put the body of Christ there to help you too. We can get victory. So we live in power. We live in priority. Let me finish the chapter here. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere, wait a minute, for what? For what? For a sincere brotherly love. Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. Okay, this is something that lasts forever, this new life you have in Christ and your brothers and sisters in Christ through the living and abiding word of God. For And he's quoting scripture, all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the, fl- the flower fails, but the word of God remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. A third thing, okay, again. We're living a life, a holy life is a life of power, so we have self-control. A holy life is a life of priority, so we have a focus on eternity. A holy life is also going to be a life that involves people. Holiness is going to show up in our love and care for other people. It says that very, very plain, I've given you this new life. Uh, why is it? So that for a sincere brotherly love that you can earnestly love each other from a pure heart. There's something that I would like to shout to our world. Relationships and people matter. Okay? Very simple. And I'm not, I know we've been through a couple years where there has been you know, uncertainty and, and there has been a lot of push towards isolation for different reasons. I'm really not commenting on that because I do not know, I do not have all the answers on that. But I will comment on this. That's not what the life that we're called to. There are times when Jesus went off alone, my pastor went off alone, I could go off alone and spend some time with God, but life is not about me living in a bubble. My life is about me learning to live with and love other people. Very simple. That is going to be what a holy life looks like. We're going to, I got thinking um, 
got to talk to a pastor friend of mine on Friday. We, we got to meet together. He was coming through town. He pastors out in Colorado. And we met up for a little bit and just talking about ministry. And it was kind of cool because both of us, God's been kind of pointing us more and more in the same direction as far as what is important. And I got talking to him a little bit. But, you know, we mentioned uh, John Miscavige and praying for him. And, and uh, by the way, the report uh, very good on John's surgery was Friday morning. And, and he's doing a good job in recovery. Uh, but uh, we'd appreciate you know, your continued prayer. But I thought, okay, sorry, I get getting a little sappy in my old age here. But I, I thought, well, you know, what am I really called to do as pastor? And I thought one of the things, and, th- and this came out in my conversation with my friend. I thought I get to love John Miscavige. I get to make sure that he knows that his friend and his pastor love him. And now I want to say this: We've got a couple hundred people in our church, at least. I can't do that for everybody, okay? I need your help. I need us all to see this world here as an outpost of heaven and say, hey, we want to do everything uh, that we can to love others. Why? We're part of that eternal eternal family with him. Um, you all ha- have any family members that are difficult to love? Would anybody like to point to anybody in the room right now? Uh, yeah, we got one. Uh, there they are. Um, I, I think I can say, say this. Uh, Francis' father, uh, my father-in-law, is a hard man to love. <laughs> There's just no two ways about it. Don't look at her. Uh, she may be mad at me for saying that. Uh, but but she, he is. He, he can be very difficult to love. Uh, in the middle of last week, she had a conversation with him. He had done something, we'll just say, with someone unloving, and she didn't confront him on it. She just kind of asked him a question about it. You know, Dad, what were you thinking with this? And he got mad at her, and he, took, and he gave the phone to his wife and said, Hey, I'm not talking to her anymore, and tell her not to call me this weekend. Okay, so Saturday came, and uh, I went home from Upward, and I said, So you didn't, didn't call your dad this week because she always calls her dad on Saturday. And she said, Yeah, I did. And I was like, well, he told you not to. That would have been my way out. <laughs> he said it. I ain't calling this way. Uh, but uh, she said, yeah, I called him. She said, I never did call him because he deserved it. I called him because he's my dad, and I love him. And if we can take more of that approach, listen, I, I, I say this often because it is so important that we remember we're all messed up. I mean, and I know some of you are like, oh, the world be a great place, church be a great place, school be a great place, work would be a great place if it wasn't for people. And just get them out of here, you know. Wouldn't it be fun driving the school bus around with no kids? Uh, this is a great job. Uh, and, you know, so often we get like, and people are messed up. They, they have flaws all the, all the time, and we, and we understand that. But God calls us to love as he loved. <laughs> Do you know how he loved? He loved us while we were yet sinners. And this is what a holy life begins to look like when we make up, when we say, God, who do you want to love through me? You know, where do you want me to share that love? Uh, I want to say again before I close that holiness is not, I'm, I'm not covering the whole spectrum, okay? God is holy. Uh, it's, it's not even so much a characteristic of God. It is the thing that God is that all the other characteristics fit into. Okay, it is so much beyond what I'm talking about today. I'm not suggesting that we've covered, hey, do these three things and we're completely holy. I am suggesting this. Peter wrote here and he said, be holy. He said, hey, here's some, here's some things that holiness looks like. Holiness means that you have God's Holy Spirit in your life. 
fight the battle from your knees. When you fight, fight on your knees. Holiness means that you're, instead of looking to find satisfaction in things of this world that do not last into eternity, instead of doing that, instead of filling up your life with those things, I have an eternal focus. And I ask myself, in light of eternity, what's important here? And holiness means I'm going to love people. God has given me a new life. And because of that, I can love and care about other, other people in my life, whether or not they deserve it. I'm going to, uh, doing things a little differently, I'll just close. In a, ah, you want to sing when I fight, I fight on my knees one more time? Yeah, let's do it. Sorry, Ed. I wasn't going to because we're a minute late and Marissa's already down the hallway going, I don't know uh, how long he's going. Uh, so I don't want to drive her crazy. So, so pick the tempo up a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. Just, 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 just sing it. But let's, let's sing again when I fight. I fight on my knees. Would you stand? We'll pray and then we'll sing. Father, we want to live holy lives for you, our God, our holy. We want to reflect you as your children. Um, help us to fight these battles on our knees. And uh, we praise you for your power. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.